Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And now it's time for the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook Pregame Show with Score Morning Show co-host Molly from the Molly and Haw Show, Bears long snapping Iron Man Patrick Manley, and Score Football expert and former NFL player Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Bears. Download the Bet Rivers online sportsbook app today. Oh, yes, indeed. It is the pregame show here on the score. And we have an actual pregame show. We've got a full <laughs> three hours of pregame. It's been rushed with the schedule so crazy. A Thursday and a Monday. And now we're back. Noon Sundays the rest of the way, unless the Bears are flexed. And if they play the way they played on Monday for the rest of the year. I got a feeling they will be flexed. So the question to begin with, gentlemen, and Patrick, you can take it first. What are we going to see today? Is it going to look much like Monday? All right, here it is. I have my fingers crossed that we get to see what we saw (laughs) last week. That's what I'm hoping for is a whole lot of hope here, man. This whole week – it felt so good last week, Mully, to have the post game with you and have those positive energy, the positive vibes. I've gone through this entire week feeling the same way. I was almost Spiegel and Parkins, and I'm talking playoffs. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I'm talking about possibly getting back to playoffs. four and four. No, it's just yeah, I, I. You kidding me? I, but here's playoffs? the thing, guys. This is what I expect. I expect them to play the same way they did last week with the physicality they played with. It's on tape. That standard is set. They've shown it. They can coach it. They can expect it. You know, we've talked about the talent deficiency they have compared to other teams, but the way they played, the way they flew around, the physical nature they played with, I expect to see that. Does that lead to win? I hope. Like I said, I hope. I have my fingers crossed. But I think with that physicality they showed last week, let's just keep that going. And if you can do that and you're undermanned, then you could possibly eke out a win again. And I would say that's probably been the – the element of the Bears, that physicality you talk about, Patrick, that maybe we're we're starting to see that we, we we can count on that on a more consistent basis than we can some of the execution. You know, some of those flaws that show up at times in all phases with this with this young Bears team, with this inexperienced Bears team. But they they play their tails off. You know, they they fly around, they play hard, and that that physicality certainly shows up in the run game on offense. We're seeing an improving run defense from the Bears also, so all those things end up mattering. And there's certainly a level of execution that goes into into those elements where you do need to execute your run fits well to to defend the run better. And you do need to execute hitting your landmarks as, as run blockers, you know, to, to run the ball as effectively as the Bears have with the top rushing attack in the National Football League. Those things being said, I think that talent deficiency that, that you referenced, that's still going to be there against a, 
a number of opponents. It doesn't mean they can't defeat some of those opponents who maybe have a more physically gifted roster than they do. But I'm I'm still I'm still you know uh, the main word I've used a lot with you guys this season is patience. I'm still taking a very patient approach with this thing. I, I think that uh, it, it's fun to see that, and it, it's good to see those results you know come out on the scoreboard as well. But you know through my lens, I'm still very uh, I'm very focused on the you know, the, the aggregation of marginal gains, because I think we're, it's, it's unlikely we're going to see a, a several score victory become a, a consistent thing for this current bear squad. We, yeah, I, I mean, listen, they, the, the danger of where they were at on Monday is they had started stacking losses and we've seen that happen to teams. That's an awful position to be in because you do know they have a talent deficiency. You do know that one of the things they have to have is self-belief in order to be able to get through it. And you worry when you, when you see a team starting to put together loss after loss that, that that's the way the season's going to go. So to go into New England and to turn it around, they were eight-and-a-half-point dogs. They're nine-and-a-half-point dogs now. It, it opened at 10, and it's down to nine-and-a-half. They got a half a point by that, that performance. But, that, but, you know, the question, I suppose, is how does that win age? And that's kind of what we're going to find out beginning today. Was that them catching the, the bad team at the right time? I mean, how good are the New England Patriots? I don't really care. It was a great win, and it was glorious, and it was good to see them win in every element of the game, all three phases against a guy who's considered the greatest coach in NFL history. So that was great. Now, though, you did get the attention of Dallas. Now, I know Ezekiel Elliott is going to be out because he's got a knee injury. They've got the bye week. You know, the the, the formula for beating them, maybe, maybe the run defense uh, is, is benefited by him being out. Now, he's a, you know, Tony Pollard has got a lot of yards. I know guys, I talked to a guy this week who thinks that he's a better player at this stage of his career than Ezekiel Elliott, but he's still more of a third-down guy than a, a first and second. And when you think about the run fits and the defense they play, it'll be aided by, uh, by Ezekiel Elliott out on first and second down. Yeah, it yeah, certainly I, will. You know, yes, it will. And I, I, Tony Pollard's going to be interesting because he he's, that hasn't been a workhorse back. You know, that's right. been the big question. So we'll see – how he does with that. And then Malik Davis, I believe they brought up as the uh, the rookie out of Florida. Uh, right. they, they speak highly about him. Um, you know, I think they'll stick with the run. I think Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator, likes to do what he does offensively with the, just kind of just a pure pro-style offense, but they really like to run the ball down there. But this is going to be interesting to see how the Bears respond after that game, Mully, like you're talking about. There are good vibes in that in that in um, in Hallis Hall all week, right? Practice probably felt better. Meetings felt better. But you have to go out there and do it again. You have to go out there and prove it. And they have a fierce opponent. This is a very good Dallas team. They've got to go against and and go out there and execute the same way they did. And I I think they're outmanned like they were against the Patriots. But can they go do it? I don't know. And I think you're right. This is just going to be interesting to see really what this Bears team is. If they go out there and beat Dallas, let's just say if they go beat Dallas, then I'm going to feel a whole lot different about them. I guarantee you they're going to feel different about themselves. They're going to have a little more self-belief. They had to go into some of these games, and they know. They look at the paper, and they're like, wow, they have so-and-so, and and we only have so-and-so. They have so-and-so, and and we only have so-and-so. But they've gone out there. They had a big win last week, and this is a great test for them to go against this Dallas team. And it's going to be interesting to see what, with not having Ezekiel Elliott, what that means to this Cowboys team. But it doesn't scare me that much because I think Tony Pollard is pretty darn good running back. 
I'm going to be late to the party um, as far as, the, you know, any thoughts of, of this current Bears squad having any, you know, any real postseason potential. But that being said, I'm I'm very open to being proven wrong on that. And it'll be very fun uh, if, if they can go about proving me wrong. But all the, the individual pieces of this roster, you know, whether it's the pieces who definitively will be a part of this thing for, for the next few seasons, at least because they're they're on their rookie deal still and because they're guys who are who the franchise is hoping for greatness from. Or even if it's these guys on the prove it deals, you know, is, is an equanimous St. Brown playing himself into some role on, on the Bears moving forward? Is Dante Pettis playing himself into some role? Uh, Morrow uh, playing himself into, so, you know, I, I think there's guys who, who are having that opportunity, who are showing flashes of, of that potential to still be around here and be a part of this thing. Uh, but, but in the end, you're certainly going to need more competitive depth, top to bottom on the roster. You're going to need more complete pieces, more true playmakers. That was what gave me pause. You know, I told you guys last week, I thought the Monday night game would certainly be more competitive than, than Vegas might have even thought it would. I thought the Bears, you know, would likely end up losing that game because they don't have touchdown scores. And they had begun to mount drives. And that those marginal games we're talking about where whether it was the, you know, the New York game, the Minnesota game, even that Washington game. The Washington game was the most the most offensively consistent game that they had played up to that point, but they weren't putting the rock in the end zone. And that's what you got to be able to do in the league to, to you know, prove yourself amongst the best offenses. And the Bears finally got to a point where they were putting the rock in the end zone. And so that, that's one of those other – it's not a, a leaps and bounds game because we've seen them begin to move the ball better. Now they got into that red area and they got inside the 10 and inside the 5 and they were able to punch it in. Can you make that a consistent thing? Do some some consistent touchdown scorers emerge that now put them into a different category. Even David Montgomery hasn't been a consistent touchdown scorer at this right. point in his career, and certainly none of their pass receivers have. So there's, you know, you, you keep stacking performances, you keep stacking gains. Then you know may, maybe the wins start to come consistently there. But to me, I'm, I'm taking a a very sort of marginal and patient approach in how how I'm evaluating that. Yeah, and I think that that's hugely important, especially with the quarterback. And maybe when we talk about Justin Fields, and every week we talk about Justin Fields, he is their primary weapon on offense, and they're leaning into his ability to run the football. And it's been it's it was amazing, really, to see how they leaned into it with what it was a ten called runs for the quarterback and the victory last week. And, you know, it's great, and I think it it helps him become better as a quarterback. I know that sounds crazy, but just watching him, it seems like his confidence when he runs, he knows how good he is. Sometimes he'll run into a sack. I understand that. But now you're facing a Dallas opponent that is a really good, really fast defense. Do you still – is it sustainable – to continue to call 10 running plays for the quarterback. And, I mean, the argument would be that it's the only thing that's sustainable. <laughs> um, he is the – he you know, you, they got a couple good running backs. They run the jet sweep, but he's the special in that running offense. Do you expect them to lean into it the way they did last week? Uh, Patrick, I, I don't know that anybody thought they were just going to do all these you know, quarterback runs. We wanted to see it but we didn't know if it would work or not. Yeah, I, I thought it was a brilliant game plan. I think you continue doing it because I like the way he ran the ball and would slide or get out of bounds or whatever he was doing not to take the big hit. 
I think he's very dynamic with the ball in his hands, obviously, when he scrambles, but I think he runs the ball well kind of as a running quarterback or running back, you know what I mean, from the shotgun. I, I think he's, he's excellent. I also think it helps him get into the flow of the game. And you talked about it, Malay. I think he gets, he gets a little swagger. Like when he gets up, he gets a little shimmy. You know, he's like, he feels like he's into the game. He's like, all right, I made a guy miss and I, you know, outran this guy. I'm into the game. Hey, I'm the best athlete out here. I'm the best player out here. Let's get going. He builds his confidence. I love it. I think they need to continue doing it. Um, and I do think it helped that they went back and watched the Ravens game and saw the Ravens the way they, uh, you know, how they how they ran the ball against the Patriots, and I think you can continue going forward by building off these runs. You can do different formations. You can run the similar runs, but just kind of formation them different so the guys get used to the same blocking schemes, the same same execution, the same runs. But you can formationally change it up, and I I think it's a great thing. I wouldn't be I would love to see ten plus quarterback runs, and I think that's what's best for this team right now. And maybe that's what Justin Fields turns into be as an NFL quarterback. He turns into a little bit more of a Lamar Jackson, a, a Josh Allen, where he is going to run the ball more and use his arms, uh, use his arms, use his arm as well in the passing game. So I, I love it. I thought it was a great game plan. Obviously, it worked, and I would love to see more. And it's a way to take the the starts out of an elite pass rush that Dallas yeah. has as well. You know, you, yeah. you sap point. a little great bit point. of their aggression when you have a you, when they have to account for the mobility of the quarterback, and not only in a scramble situation, but in called QB runs. Because now you, you know it's not only a team that's going to have sort of the the traditional amount of blockers available, and so you got to hit that blocking surface, and somebody's going to be free to flow to the ball if everyone does their job. Now you have to account for an, for an extra gap, for an extra blocking surface that the QB, as a runner, forces you to account for as an opposing defense. And when you got pass rushers who want to get up into the backfield, who want to have that, that blood in their fingertips where they're just kind of in seek and destroy mode, you got to account for the QB. Now it does take a little bit of your aggression, a little bit of that that penetration you're looking for into the backfield, it negates it some, as long as you're not getting into predictable downs and distances. And, and the thing I've, I've been telling people this about Justin Fields since he was coming out in the draft, he's best in, in a called run scenario because of the fact that he, he prefers to operate within the design of the play. He's not like where, where he's definitely, you know, Lamar Jackson is a, you know, just a more sudden athlete as a runner anyway. Justin Fields is, a, is an exceptional runner as a quarterback, but as far as the improvisational end of things, Lamar Jackson is, is more comfortable improvising than Justin Fields is. Kyler Murray is better improvising than Justin Fields is. Justin Fields, if you call him into movement, if you call him yeah. into movement of the pocket, you call him into run game, that's where. He not only is most effective, but frankly, the entire offense now is set up where perhaps he's not taking the big hits in the way that he does when he's scrambling and he's, you know, he's trying to do that awkward spin move and he's, you know, exposing his rib cage to people and uncertain about when and how to slide and all those other things. You call him into it, 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 you know, it affects the defense. I think it goes advantage, bears offense in those scenarios as well. And it doesn't necessarily have to be 10 to 12 times per game. That can be just game plan dependent on the opponent you're facing, but Dallas does strike me as a team where, where the QB run play will, will be effective for the Bears' offense, not only with its productivity, but with the mental effect that it has on the Cowboys' defense and their pass rush. So Monday night we have the unexpected victory. Um, you know, the Bears expected it, but I don't think anyone in the nation was really uh, anticipating it, and they did a great job. Everybody's feeling good. The positivity was through the roof. By Wednesday, they traded Robert Quinn. And uh, it, it happened in real time. Roquan is at the podium. He breaks down. He got emotional. Apparently, they're they're good friends. He's a little brother type relationship, and 
he was uh, he was damaged by it. I mean, he was really bummed. And you wonder, was he thinking about his own Bears career kind of mortality when that moment hit him? But whatever it might be, one of your best players, a guy who set a single-season record for sacks, I get it, 32 years old, um, they traded him. How does that hit the locker room? Is there any impact from that moment as we look at lining up on Sunday or or out of sight, out of mind? Which is it? My opinion is the way this team has been um, – well, the way Ryan – you got a new regime, right? So I yeah. think the guys know that this is a rebuild. This is, this is going to happen. It's been talked about potentially Robert Quinn being traded, Roquan Smith, players being traded. It stinks when it finally happens – but I think they understand where they are. It's not like they're a 500 team and they're hoping to maybe make the playoffs and all of a sudden you trade this guy and it's like, all right, the GM and the coach have given up on us. I don't think they right. feel that way. I think they understand that, listen, we are a young team. We are rebuilding. We got something for him. It stinks he's gone. I understand that because you do. You become great friends with these guys. Uh, you see how good of a player he's been. And it's hard, but I do think they understand but that was kind of interesting and neat to see Roquan re- react the way he did, just because that means he really cares. And um, but it's, I think, something that they understood that's it's going to happen, and I don't think it's going to cause uh, that big of an issue with the locker room. I think in the long run, it's really going to help him because the young guys get more playing time. But uh, I, I, you know, as an older guy, if I was an older guy in the locker room, I would understand it. As a younger guy, it's always shocking. Um, but again, I think it's something that they knew potentially could happen with a couple of these players. And to to see you know Roquan Smith's emotional reaction to it, I think to to some extent it's probably not only it, it's in some ways maybe even beneficial to to folks outside the locker room because I think the the conversation around Roquan Smith has gotten to me kind of far afield where there's not an appreciation for what a great player he's been up to this point in his career and like so many things where it's just you know every every game is a referendum on whether you're amazing or whether you're awful. And there's such limited <laughs> in between here, you know, so where, where Roquan Smith has been an elite football player throughout the entirety of his time with the Chicago bears. Does that mean he deserves to be the number one played defender in NFL history or the highest paid inside linebacker ever? Probably not. You know, in, in my mind, he's still got time to prove that throughout this season, but he's been elite. He continues to play at an elite level. You know, maybe the guy who's going to get the biggest deal for a defender ever is going to be on the opposing sideline today in Dallas, but Micah Parsons early in his career, so it's not a decision the Cowboys have to make right now. That being said, it does seem like, you know, either either Roquan made his money today or Roquan's absolute trash, and I just I don't see a lot of nuance to the Roquan Smith conversation. And, you know, people seeing that in what has been a – a stressful offseason for him, I'm sure, and a, a productive season for him here in the midst of a year where the team goals from the front office don't necessarily appear to be where they're trying to achieve at a high level because we don't see them resourcing the roster at a high level. So who knows all those machinations for Roquan Smith, but I, I do think there's probably something beneficial just to the, the outward perspective on him that folks are seeing how deeply he cares, not only about himself and his contract, but about his teammates and this team as a whole. All right, we're going to head down to Dallas. We're going to bring in Calvin Watkins. He covers the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News, and we'll uh, we'll ask him those pertinent questions. Uh, Micah Parsons is having an unbelievable year, but he's got a sore shoulder. 
Is there any chance he doesn't play? Did he sleep poorly last night? That would be a help. We'll uh, we'll ask Calvin. Everybody what, knows. Yeah, there, there you go. Whatever it takes, we'll ask Calvin those questions when we come back. You're listening to the pregame show on the Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think, you know, you can see Chicago... In this last game, starting to lean more towards that. You know, I, I think when you look at the history of you know Luke Getzey and, and 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 what what I think they were trying to do early, and and I, I think every first year coordinator goes through this. You know, and this is October. You know, this is when you really figure out who you are and your, your ability to grow. And and uh, you know, and I thought that they really took a big step as a football team Monday night. It's the pregame show here on The Score, and you just heard the voice there of uh, of Mike McCarthy. I believe he's the interim uh, Dallas head coach. He's holding that spot until Sean Payton takes it. Uh, no, I'm just making a joke, a bad joke. That was for the benefit of Calvin Watkins, he of the Dallas Morning News, and he joins us now on The Score uh, hotline presented by Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Calvin, yeah, I, I think the Bears. Matt Eberflus, you, you remember him? He was—he's uh, an old friend. He—he's uh, more popular here in Chicago, maybe, than Mike McCarthy is uh, down in Dallas. But McCarthy has the job at this point. I was just making a joke. I like that interim coach. Um, but you guys are rough down there. I don't know if I can cover a, a pro team in Chicago, man. I'm going to be satisfied immediately. Wow. Good stuff down there, man. Good stuff. I would say McCarthy is, is – the fans are indifferent on McCarthy because uh, they, they, as you just said, they, they would love to have Sean Payton. Um, but I think 
Jerry likes Dan Quinn as well. So I don't know. It's a two man race. Two man race. And <laughs> <laughs> we just had the experience on Monday night here in Chicago watching quarterbacks flip flop during a game for the New England Patriots, and I'm I'm just wondering with with the I'll call it a roller coaster ride that Cowboys tend to go on with Dak Prescott. There's no doubt the Cowboys are fully invested in Dak, but how much of a rumbling began with the, the Cooper Rush experience and whether or not folks kind of think like, hey, maybe we had something there? Uh, anybody who said that, oh, man, we got something there with Cooper Rush was uneducated and probably needed to stop watching football. Um, <laughs> if you watch the games with any kind of common sense, you could tell that Dak Prescott's better than Cooper Rush. What the Cowboys did when Cooper Rush was his starting quarterback was they, they started to run the football a lot more, and their defense became the doomsday defense. As you, as you guys know, the Cowboys did the NFL in sacks. They got this kid named Micah Parsons who's just wrecking havoc all over the league. And they created turnovers. So their defense has really been the catalyst regardless of who's the starting quarterback. But when you look at the skill set, it, it's obvious that they're a better team with Dak Prescott than they are with Cooper Rush. All right, Calvin, we're getting to that time of the year when the uh, injury bug is hitting some of these teams and it looks like a big loss for the Cowboys is Ezekiel Elliott. How much is that going to hurt him, not having him this game potentially? It sounds like he's out. And then some of the other injuries with this uh, with this team, how much is it going to hurt them as well? Well, yeah, not having Zeke today is going to hurt them. Um, Tony Pollard's probably going to get the start. Um, everyone looks at Pollard as a guy who's, who runs off the tackle and someone who can throw the ball to in the backfield. Uh, but the biggest thing they're going to miss by not having Zeke is the pass protection. Uh, Tony Pollard is an average, or to be honest, a below average uh, pass protector, and that's probably one of the main reasons why Zeke Yellow gets a lot of a lot of uh, snaps and games because the third and eleven, you need someone to protect Dak Prescott or Cooper Rush, whoever the hell you got back there, and that's what Zeke does. Uh, Dalton Schultz, the starting tight end, he's supposed to play today. He's got he's been messed up with the knee, sprained knee ligament. He should be okay. I would say he's about 75%. One of the things the Cowboys have to do with him is get him the ball early um, to get this offense moving down the field. But other than those two guys, everybody else is okay. I'm sorry, Malik Hooker, one of the starting uh, safeties, he got a hamstring injury. Uh, Malik's going to do some pregame stuff, and if he can uh, get through the pregame, he'll probably play against Chicago. And Micah Parsons' shoulder isn't a big deal. I know he's limited in practice this week. The, the, the formula, at least has been to this point, to run at him, and if the Bears are going to run and he has a sore shoulder, maybe that is an aid to them. Although, God knows, don't don't you know? Don't ever think he's not going to catch it from behind. That guy's unbelievable. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Uh, I was told the shoulder is not much of a problem. Uh, Mike has been nicked up quite a few times throughout the course of the season. I think he had a knee, and a toe, a groin. Now he's got a shoulder. It's football. It happens. Um, you got to play through it, and he's fine. Uh, I would agree with you. Yeah, the teams try to run at Micah. Sometimes teams try to force Micah not to do anything. That's what Philly did when they played him in uh, week four, was that they try to neutralize him by saying, we're going to run at you and make you make a decision. Either you get our quarterback or you get the runner, or you get a receiver, or you get somebody. And then he's like forced to think a little bit more, and then you make a play right behind him. So we're going to see what Chicago does against them uh, today. Right, some of those RPO elements, and it's a it's a bit newer to the Bears' offense here. You referenced Philly doing it against the Cowboys, some QB run 
that Baltimore used as well. So the Bears offense with Luke Getze running the show kind of continues to evolve with Justin Fields at QB. When you think of, you mentioned the Philly game, you think of the, the Ravens game, what were some of those elements of just kind of leaving Micah Parsons unblocked at times and, and making him a bit indecisive? How big of a deal did that turn out to prove to be for the Cowboys defense? Well, the Eagles ended up winning that game, so that tells you that it, that it kind of worked. Uh, they ran the same play twice at Micah Parsons in that back, in back-to-back series, and that, that kind of, you know, they got touchdowns out of it. The other thing is, if you can neutralize Micah Parsons and you force guys like Dorrance uh, Armstrong and Demarcus Lawrence, the other pass rushers, to, to make plays for you. And they're not as dynamic as Micah Parsons, let's be honest. Um, if there's one issue that I have with the Cowboys defense, it's their pass coverage. Trayvon Diggs is a fantastic corner, but there are times where he will get beat. And if, and if you can get a corner behind him or in front of him where you think he can get some yards, you better take advantage of it. And that's where you got to have a good quarterback in the passing game that can connect with the receiver. But if you can neutralize that with uh, Trayvon Diggs, you can, you can probably get some things going in the passing game. As you guys know, the Cowboys' run defense is just average at best. So when you have Michael Parsons back there healthy, fully healthy, which he almost is, to be honest with you, then, you know, you can kind of maybe slow down a little bit. Sorry about hey, that. Man. I got to put yeah. the mic on there. I don't even know what I'm doing. Here. All right. So you're I talking about. You were the... done with me. I thought you were firing me like Michael Parsons. <laughs> <laughs> I was done. I was done. I mean, Jerry Jones on the line. What's going on? Um, you talked about that run defense for the Cowboys. You, you picked up Jonathan Hankins. How much of a uh, difference is he going to make for this already darn good defense? Is it going to be that much of a, of a help up front to maybe solidify this to being a super, you know, the, the best defense in the NFL? I like the move. Um, he's a big guy. He fits what Dan Quinn wants in his defensive line. Big, big, big wide bodies in, in, in the middle of that def- of defensive line. That's something that you really need if you're going to stop the run. He's been around a long time. He's played with the Giants. Obviously, he's in Vegas. He's been in the league 10 years. So, he's a veteran. He knows what to do. I think he's, I expect him to play today. I don't know. The Cowboys have a rotation on their interior defensive linemen, so I would expect him to get maybe 10 or 12 snaps this afternoon. But, yeah, that, that's a big plus for them. Uh, Neville Gallimore, who was like a third-round pick a couple of years ago, he's a little bit too undersized. He gets pushed around a little bit. But putting Hankins back there should solidify something uh, in, in the run defense. We'll see. But, we'll, you know, but that's what the, the goal is right now. Pre-game is presented by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers app today. Uh, Calvin, I, I'm just curious when you think about – uh, the fact that Fields has been sacked 27 times and Dallas is the best pass rush in the league with 29 sacks. Do they look at this? Are they? Do, do they say to themselves, you know, we got to use uh, Donovan Wilson as a as a, um, a as a spy, or do they say, you know, pin your ears back and go get this guy? What's the mentality? Yeah, the Cowboys didn't have a spy when they played um, the Eagles, and they, and they took on. Um, Jalen Hurts, and I don't know if they'll use a spy against this kid uh, on the, this afternoon. Um, they use C.J. Goodwin, who is like one of their best special teams guys. He simulated uh, the, uh, the Bears quarterback, uh, Justin Field, and, and, and when, uh, I'm sorry, maybe a little discombobulated if I'm driving to the game and someone just cut me off. Uh, I think I think the problem. Give him the, the finger. Don't spy. Uh, well, yeah, 
The Cowboys don't spot quarterbacks. That's not what they do. They just like to, as you said, they pin their ears back and they just get after it. Um, J. Ron Curse, who's like the slash safety linebacker, he's a guy who will cover linebackers, who will cover tight ends and, and running backs out of the backfield. He's a guy that you could possibly see whenever your boy moves out of the pocket, boom, he'll go get him. You know, that's one of those guys. Donovan Wilson, someone that likes to blitz off the edge, and he's also a good run stopper. You'll see him up in the box a little bit. So there's a lot of different ways they can go about it without, quote-unquote, spying the quarterback. But um, for the most part, Dallas just goes after you and blitzes. They like to use a lot of stunts to kind of throw you off a little bit. Demarcus Lawrence had a really good conversation with me uh, the other day, and he said, we got to be disciplined in our rush lane. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, there's six lanes. So if we're all disciplined in our rush lanes, we don't need to spy anybody. If the quarterback gets out of the pocket, Someone's going to be right there, especially the interior of the line. Calvin Watkins covers the Dallas Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News. Our guest here on the Bears pregame show on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, you can find Calvin on Twitter at Calvin Watkins. I'd love if you could uh, maybe give a, a bit of a history lesson here because it feels like there's some elements with Dallas that maybe the Bears or Bears fans could benefit from. You know, there, there's talk in Chicago of the Bears maybe moving out of Chicago, going up to Arlington. Just the Cowboys went to Arlington, Texas, and, and left, uh, left Dallas itself. What, what were the reactions from Cowboys fans? I, I've found it to be, here in Chicago, surprisingly positive about the notion the Bears may move out of the city and go up to Arlington Heights here in Chicago. And you've got one of the most forward-facing and public media-addressing owners in all of professional sports. And I would imagine Jerry Jones was, you know, was fairly uh, – fairly public as that plan was taking place. Can you take us back to that time, what that was like? Yeah, uh, the Cowboys at the time, they were playing in Irving, Texas, which is another little suburb of Dallas. Um, there was talk about the Cowboys possibly moving to a section of the city, downtown Dallas, called Fair Park. And that's where the Cotton Bowl is. And um, so the city of Dallas was like, hey, why don't you come down here to Fair Park? But the mayor at the time, Law Miller, wasn't a big proponent of sports franchises getting whatever they want. Um, when she was a city council member, she vetoed uh, the city of Dallas getting a new basketball arena for the hockey and, and basketball team. But the, but the mayor at that particular time, Ron Kirk, just said, just, you just need to be quiet and got the, the deal done. So now that Law Miller was the mayor, uh, Jerry Jones wanted nothing to do with her because he knew of her past history. And the city of Arlington, which is where the, the, the Rangers, Texas Rangers baseball team play, they had a deal, and they had great, and they had all kinds of land. And the voters approved uh, a, a bond, in essence, and a hotel tax increase for the Cowboys to move to Arlington. And it was close to the baseball stadium. So, so Jerry was like, all right, where, where's the money at? And the money was in Arlington, so that's where he went. Um, the people in Dallas, they don't really – so much blame Jerry as much as they blame uh, the, the former Bears at the time. Deal, but in reality, I think Jerry Jones is all about moving to Arlington. As you guys know, these NFL owners are going to do whatever they want, wherever the money is. And if the money is in Arlington, uh, Illinois, which I think is about 45 minutes from Chicago, they're going to go. Um, unless the city can say, "Hey, we'll give you 800 million dollars. You can put it right here." Then that they'll change their minds. But for the most part. Uh, People here, they blame, I guess, the politicians for the Cowboys moving uh, to the suburbs. 
Kelvin, thanks so much. We appreciate all your insight. I, I imagine you picked Dallas. Who'd you pick for the game? I picked Dallas. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go Cowboys. Will, will they cover? Will they cover? Will they cover the nine and a half, though? I have Chicago. I have Chicago, man. I have Chicago on that. You got oh, to you make your money. You got to pick your bears, man. You got to pick your bears. Gotcha. Okay. Great stuff, Calvin. <laughs> Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. You too, Thanks, buddy. Calvin. Enjoy the game. That's Calvin Watkins, the Dallas Morning News. Uh, we've got to get into some of that stuff. It's interesting to think about what Dan Quinn will do to to. I mean, if if they don't care what Justin Fields does – that is huge for the Bears. And I think you would imagine that, if nothing else, what happened on Monday night would have gotten the attention of the coaches. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that idea when we return here on the pregame show on Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. But I think Fields is dynamic. I mean, I, I was so impressed with them uh, Monday night. I thought they did a really nice job coming out of their bye week. You know, they, they hit some, you know, some uh, scheme runs. You know, in, in in the game against New England, so um, and, and that's what you really pay attention to. Um, so he's he, I mean, he he can make plays. He's a playmaker. So, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think you know more Jalen Hurts is 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 probably a a good comparable, and you know just the way they play and, and really the stress that they put on you, your run defense uh, with the quarterback emphasis. I mean, he's you know we, we're treating him as a primary ball carrier, and and you have to because. Uh, he can change the game. It's the pregame show on the score. We've got Anthony Heron. We've got Patrick Manley. And we've got some audio there from Mike McCarthy, who is the head coach in Dallas for now. And uh, at Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, is more popular in Dallas than Mike McCarthy. And, you know, we know that uh, there's all sorts of rumors about Sean Payton. But at any rate... It's interesting to hear him call him their primary ball carrier and to talk about how you have to handle that because Calvin is telling us that uh, that, that the, the players themselves don't seem overly uh, impressed or worried. They've, they've struggled in their run defense, Dallas has, and, you know, the Bears have an identity. You would imagine they'll stay with their identity. Do you believe that they will use a spy uh, at some point here, especially – if the Bears, is, uh, as we were told uh, earlier in the week by the playmaker Michael Irvin, they should just run every play, run in the first quarter, punch him in the mouth, tell him there's, they're going to have a game. I, I like that audio. I don't know that it'll go completely to the point of a, a consistent spy. Like, frequently when you think of the term spy, it's a, it's a defender who, who could be a part of the pass rush, someone from the front seven, who ends up occupying the box, basically, kind of being back there behind the defensive front, around the interior, within the tackle box somewhere, and just waiting to see if the quarterback leaks out, uh, you know, more up the middle somewhere, where, where a lot of opponents before the Monday night game, the biggest run threat that people at game plan for with Justin Fields was on the bootleg action, Justin Fields out to the edge. And the way you tend to game plan these things is you try to figure out, because all quarterbacks, even you know, you think of a guy like Tom Brady, most quarterbacks have a, a particular direction that they're just most comfortable, most frequently escaping. Are you a vertical escape guy? Are you a lateral escape guy? Which, which gap do you tend to climb the pocket towards or move the pocket laterally in either direction? Justin Fields' most natural gear is to be a lateral 
escape guy. Sometimes it's keeping his eyes down the field. Sometimes it's that reverse pivot where he kind of, you know, whether it is a called bootleg action or if he begins the play trying to pass from within the pocket and then he reverse pivots and starts running sideways. He's starting to get better and more frequent with climbing the pocket vertically while keeping his eyes down the field. So I would imagine that's a part of the Cowboys game plan is even just recognizing that. But defenses up to this point have been trying to make sure Justin Fields doesn't get to the edge, doesn't get outside the pocket. And uh, a spy you know, could be effective based off of what we saw from last week's game plan. The issue is if your responsibility within a defense is to be the spy, then you're not taking an aggressive charge off the ball into a block. And so if the Bears are running the ball with frequency, with volume, with success – against this Cowboys defense, this fast-flowing Cowboys defense that hunts the ball really well from the backside. But if you run it at them, people have had success in doing that. Then it does make it – it makes it less likely and it can make it less effective to have a spy there who's, who's thinking, all right, when I come off the ball, I'm kind of passive in my charge because I'm right. essentially going to work backwards and laterally looking for the quarterback in either direction. So it is a little bit – of a chess match, especially when you have the the called run element of the Bears offense that became a bigger deal on Monday night. Yeah, and I also think just with their alignment, sometimes with Micah Parsons playing middle linebacker, not the edge rusher, that he's kind of a natural spy, right? Just because he's there and such a darn good athlete that if they are in regular down and distance where you know the Bears will pass, he's sitting back there as middle linebacker, sample or whatever you know the, the middle linebacker position that he is kind of a natural spy. So I don't think they have to game plan for that or scheme for that. I think they already have that kind of in their defense with Micah Parsons, just who he is when he does line up at linebacker. So, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see what they do, but um, I, I don't expect to, like you said, I don't expect just to put a just to put a spy out there for this game. And I, I'll right. say this too, Mully, because Bill Belichick going into last week's game, he he made a lot of comments, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know the seven second, the seven minute clip about him talking about everything with the Bears. A lot yeah. of that chunk of that was him talking about the athleticism, the explosive abilities of Justin Fields, and then even during the week leading into the game, he was talking about the explosive athletic ability, the running, the playmaking of Justin Fields. It's one thing to game plan for it. It's another thing to be able to stop it because when you have a QB who can do those things with his legs and the blocking picks it up, then that's why, like we were talking about earlier in the show, it's still important for the Bears to have that as a segment of the offense because it is that additional wrinkle, that additional blocking surface. It's very difficult for defenses to account for. So Michael Judon went against uh, Larry Borum for most of that game, the New England game. He finished with two and a half sacks. He had three QB hits, and I believe he had a batted pass. He had a heck of a game. Um, Micah Parsons is a better player. And, you know, you you think about how good Parsons is and who's going to stop him. Well, it's not going to be Larry Borum. Larry Borum will miss the game. He's in concussion protocol um, he, he had a bad game last week, and apparently, you know, he was concussed during it. So maybe there's a, a reason for that. Um, one of the few Bears, by the way, that had a bad game. But he's out. So now um, they were asked about it. I think Luke, Luke Getze said on Thursday, well, you know, he, he was very reluctant to be forthcoming about who will start in his place. I would imagine it's Riley Reef, But by the way, you know, Lucas Patrick is back on – or now is on IR with a toe injury suffered during that game. So Sam Mustafer, who had started, is back, and they, they've got they've already got two changes on the offensive line. Well, they're going to have three now. And I, I, I don't know 
I don't know that anybody is really going to be able to to block Micah Parsons, but I do think Riley Reef, at least as an experienced player, makes sense to me. They, he was asked, uh, Getsy was asked if Alex Leatherwood would be a guy they'd consider, and he kind of deflected the question. Leatherwood is up and capable. I'm, I heard Reef practiced uh, and and got all the reps, but. What would you do in that situation? Wouldn't you go for the veteran guy? And how will that impact whatever game plan they put together? Three different changes on the offensive line. Well, my biggest question is how healthy is Riley Reef? Because if he is that good or is that healthy, to me, he should have been out there already over Braxton Jones or Larry Borum. Or are they just saying, you know, screw it, we're truly going to go out there with these young guys and let them develop? So my question is how healthy is he? Can he play the entire game? And then the other one is Alex Leatherwood. What's he like coming off mono? How, how well does he know this, this offense? And the other thing, Luke Getz, he didn't speak. Normally when a guy is ready or you feel comfortable, they'll just say, yes, he's ready. We can throw him out there right now. And he didn't sound that way about Alex Leatherwood. So I'm nervous about this, but I don't yeah. think the game plan changes at all. I think obviously the Bears' strength is running, running the ball. So I think if you put Riley Reef in there, you can still run the ball. I'm not sure as well because Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins in the run game, when they're double-teaming guys, they move a lot of humans. They are they are very powerful. So I don't know how good Riley Reef will be at doing that, but I think it could uh, it'll be a little drop off. I think, but you also have to make sure with this game plan and this defense you're going against with Micah Parsons and, and their great pass rushes to Marcus Lawrence. The other guy uh, Armstrong has uh, five or six sacks. Yep. That you can't get behind the chains. You have to have no negative plays. You have to have positive runs. You have to limit it to third and short so you can you know run your play action passes and things like that to help this offensive line. So they are behind it. Yes, they've got a lot of injuries. They've been behind it all year in pass protection just with the talent level they have, but I'm just I'm interested to see how healthy Riley Reef is. It's hard on the old line, man, when you're you're hoping to establish continuity and you want to get young guys reps, but then you have so many of them in and out of the lineup. And obviously, you know, Cody Whitehair's had plenty of reps, no no more reps uh, than anyone on this on this group in the time he's been a Chicago Bear, but you know you lose him and you bring in Lucas Patrick and he's been in and out because of the hand and now he's out for an extended period and like you referenced, Larry Bourne being out also, it is hard to 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 establish something where continuity is so key to the offensive line, but we are at least seeing a scheme that that's being established here, a personality that's already been established for the way that Luke Getzey and Matt Eberflus want this offense to run and so you know being run heavy is part of it and and I, i'm gonna watch this closer i think you know, I'll, I'll be interested to hear you know what what you guys think about it in the post game and, and folks listen to us right now pay attention to the ball handling in the backfield it was an underappreciated aspect of last week's game and some of the run success that was there when, when you're she, when you're seeing a lot of jet sweep action and and mesh point manipulation you know like with with the rpo game and with some zone read looks there's a lot on the quarterback there are there are situations where he is truly reading that there are other situations where he needs to be a great performer and show the mesh point for an extended period of time that draws a defense in one direction before he pulls it. Maybe he'll pull it to become a ball carrier. Maybe there's an aspect here where I would hope today we'll even see it get to the point where once he pulls it from the mesh and Justin Fields keeps the ball where there's some receiving elements, you know, maybe he can, you know, hit someone in the flat 
after he pulls it because some other speedy receiver is coming across the face. You know, you, you show it to David Montgomery here at the mesh. You draw the defense in a bit. Then Justin Fields pulls it, sprints sideways, and, oh, look, here's Cole Komet. Or, wow, look at Bayless Jones out there in open space. There's some things you can build off of now that there's more RPO, more zone read, and some of the, the ball handling that we saw in last week's game. That can aid, even if your offensive line, if, if you don't necessarily think Riley Reef is athletic enough to do some of the things that we've seen Braxton Jones and Larry Borm doing and, you know, hitting the first level, sprinting up to the second level and, and some of these highlight blocks of Tevin Jenkins, you know, up in up in space. That's probably not Riley Reef at this point in his career, but you know, you can still have the, the defense, the aggressive, speedy cowboy defense over pursue with outstanding ball handling in the backfield. I would imagine that'll be something that'll be key in the Bears game plan today. Anthony, that, that's a great point because I went back and watched Jalen Hurts, and he is excellent at that. So he yeah. really hurt the Cowboys and their aggressiveness with that ball handling and riding that mesh point. And uh, you're exactly right. The jet sweeps and all that stuff, you're seeing Micah Parsons run up almost into the line and get washed mm-hmm. in there, and then he'd hit, you know, Actually, hit him a couple over the top a couple times, and also Michael Parsons is so athletic he was able to run back and tip a couple passes <laughs> right. as well. But it d- does hurt the other players, not just Michael. Par- I mean, but it was yeah. it was impressive, and that that that's a great point to see if Justin Fields can do that this week. All right, hey Bears fans, introducing the new Zing Zang Bloody Mary can cocktails. You can go get them right now. You should have them on hand. Premium vodka already in the can. They're always ready, perfect for game day tailgates. Please. Zing zang responsibly. We should probably talk about Micah Parsons and revisit the draft decisions that were made uh, when both he and Justin Fields came out. Uh, they went 11 and 12th. We'll uh, do that next. We'll discuss this and break down the game. You're listening to the pregame show on the score. Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 